as I mentioned earlier, we had a great weekend uh, at World Mandate. And for those of you that were there, it was, it was an awesome time of, of fellowship and worship and hearing some dynamic speakers, and it was a huge blessing. And, and also, it was a labor of love for many. So I want to recognize a couple people at the harbor that threw in with our three churches in the area to pull this thing off. As I said, it was, it was uh, 12 locations across the country happening simultaneously, and just a, a huge deal to, to pull off. And so is Josh Booth here? I'm guessing he's probably taking the morning to sleep in. Josh Booth was the producer for this whole weekend, and so I guess we won't, I, I don't know, I always feel silly to clap when someone's not here, but if you see Josh, just say, hey man, thank you. Like, he did a fabulous job. He was the producer for the whole weekend, did a great job. I want to mention Anders, who's sitting in the back. Give him a huge hand. Yeah. <clears throat> he was the technical director, which was a, which was a major high-pressure job because we were streaming, you know, we were streaming live from Waco, Texas, the speakers that we had, and so, you know, it never crashed, praise the Lord, but if it had, honors would have been able to fix it. So I just want to recognize your efforts, honors. Thank you. I mean, just a huge labor there. And I want to recognize Thad Bond right here. Give him a hand. He's here this morning as well. He was running the lights all weekend, just doing all the lights and was super psyched about the lighting system there. It was pretty sweet, but Thad, thank you so much. Also, just want to recognize uh, Jenna. I don't think she's here this morning, um, but she was in the worship team and just sung her heart out, and the, the band practiced a ton leading up to World Mandate. And I want to recognize our hype team and, and an artist. So Andy Cassian, you were doing some stuff with art. Give her a hand. Thank you so much. And then um, Molly Enright and Kayla Bay were you guys. They were our hype team. So they were telling people to put on a pig suit and waving stuff and being crazy and in- intimidating all the introverts. They walked through the door. So it was good, making them feel welcome. So thank you. And everybody else, yes, and Anita on projection as well. Thank you, Anita. And Gabby, is Gabby here too? Gabby Martin. Okay, Gabby was doing that too. So thank you, Gabby. If you see her, say thanks. She did a great, she did a great job. So we heard some incredible speakers at World Mandate. Francis Chan, if you've ever heard of him, he spoke on Friday night. Incredible guy. I mean, amazing story. I didn't, I didn't know his full story, but he, his mom died when he was born, and his, his, he went through abuse with his father, and his dad died actually when he was 12, so he was orphaned. Um, incredible man of God, and just talked about the, the, the beauty and the wonder of Jesus. I mean, just that, that we would be a people that are addicted to Jesus. Uh, Saturday night, last night, we had a guy named Jimmy Seibert speak, and he is the leader of our movement, actually, and, and uh, always a blessing to hear him speak. He's just, he's just full of joy and life. A uh, real blessing. He, he, he started his talk off by uh, telling us how he had, a, he had a meeting with a number of other pastors in Waco by, with this, this guy that's uh, an entrepreneur, a young guy, and he got a, he got a cryptic email <clears throat> basically saying, hey, this, this, this person would like to meet with you, not telling him who it was and these other spiritual leaders in Waco, and just kind of get a heart for your the heart for your heart for the city, and so he's like, "Wow, I'm I'm in. I'll you know show up at four o'clock at this coffee shop on Monday, and you know they show up, and these pastors are just kind of all gathering around, just wondering you know who this guy's going to be, and and he walks this guy and introduces himself and says, "Hi, I'm you know hi, I'm Mark, you know," and kind of greets, and then he, he has kind of double take and says, "That's Mark Zuckerberg." So Jimmy met with Mark Zuckerberg. Um, I don't know how long ago it was, but basically Mark Zuckerberg, the guy that founded Facebook. Um, he, he's, he has this organization. They're trying to, you know, do entrepreneurial work. And so Jimmy Seibert met with Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, it's incredible. So 
long story short, I mean, just incredible um, speech from Jimmy last night and uh, really a blessing just talking about, hey, you know, God's calling us to, to go to the nations. He's calling us to go into our places of work and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The speaker on Saturday morning is the person I want to talk about right now, and her name is Tracy Evans. You've probably never heard of her, <clears throat> but she's basically a combination if you put the Apostle Paul and combine them with Rambo. <clears throat> so she got her start in the streets of Los Angeles, grew up in a really tough neighborhood. Uh, she's, she's white, so she was actually a minority in the neighborhoods that she was in and just kind of had to fight and scrap her way through. Her, her father was in jail. She just told stories about, you know, visiting her dad in jail and, you know, all growing up. She's very comfortable in the prison, she said. Um, went into the army. That's where she encountered Jesus because there was a woman that was a believer in the army. And uh, she, she uh, just started loving her. And, and, and Tracy just decided to, to really test this woman to see if she'd really love her enemies and just started, like, doing everything she could to make this woman's life miserable. And after five months of doing that, and the woman still just loving her, loving her, you know, just in every way, always turning the other cheek, she ended up encountering Jesus. And so she goes from there and leaves and just moves to the woods and camps out in the woods for three years outside of this little small church in Northern California and ends up, um, you know, sneaking into this church and late at night listening to this pastor that would sneak in there late at night and playing worship music, and it ends up being Bill Johnson, lo and behold. So ends up getting involved there and gets discipled by this guy named Chris Vallotton and sleeping on his couch sometimes and, you know, and they're, and they're living in the, his family's living room and, you know, crazy story. Then goes to this training school in YWAM under a guy named John Dawson, if you've ever heard of him. She was discipled under him and then ends up going to the nation. She gets, spends time in the Philippines and is shipwrecked on an island and the communists take over and, you know, all this crazy stuff. Now she's in Mozambique. She's working with Heidi Baker and, you know, like planting churches in the hills and, you know, seeing people like even raised from the dead, if you believe in that, which Jesus does. Um, all of this to say, she's like, yeah, I've survived like four revolutions and five coups and, you know, here's Tracy Evans, you know. She was in Waco to speak for this conference, and of course, you know, she's, get her, they get her, they pick her up from the airport, bring her to the hotel, and she's walking to, to get lunch at Jack in the Box, and a call, call, car pulls over and says, hey, witch, give me your purse. And she looks him up and down and says, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, he's a rookie, you know? <laughs> this, is the, this is the person that she is, right? So all that to say, she gave a talk just about following Jesus, right? Just, just that seeing that Jesus is worth it, even all the suffering. You know, she ministered in a, in a dump for years in, in the Philippines and just, you know, saw death and, and, and trauma. But through all of that, just, just, just seeing that Jesus is there, right? And his love is real. Now, if, if you've, oh yeah, and, and the last thing I'll mention is, you know, to, to, sorry, two last things. She also went to Stanford and graduated, but spent four years living in her car while she did that, so she didn't, you know, rack up student debt. And then also, uh, when she was coming out of the Philippines, she decided to really take a break because she was exhausted, and she, she, she went on furlough to smuggle Bibles in China. So that's the kind of person we're talking about. It's really Rambo, Rambo and the Apostle Paul. She could probably swap stories with Paul. So all that to say, a lot of times we, we hear stories, you know, if you, if you were at World Mandate or, you know, you've been a Christian a while, you hear stories of these incredible, these incredible people, you know, these people of God that you just, you admire and you kind of maybe aspire to be like or you hope that you could emulate in, in some day. The question that I want to I pose today is how in the world, you know, can we live a life like that? Or maybe not even like that. 
maybe just how in the world can I live in a way that, that honors God? You know, you, you just look at these people and you go, wow, like how, they're just incredible. You know, they're witnessing these people and they're planting church and they're smuggling Bibles and they're seeing people healed and, you know, miraculous stuff and incredible stuff and, and intense suffering and persecution and, and experiencing all kinds of trauma. I mean, you know, how, how can I, how can I, I mean, like little me live this Christian life that Jesus has called us to live, especially when you look at, at these, these other people and you're just like, I, I could never do that. Maybe you're, you're in a place where you're just, you're just trying to, to, to get by the next day, whether it's you're struggling with sin in your life in some way, an addiction to something, you know, pornography or a, a substance. Maybe, maybe it's anxiety or fear in your life, or you're just trying to, to struggle through a difficult relationship at work or at home. And you're just, you're just trying to say, Lord, how, you know, how can I even navigate these situations that I find myself in? Maybe, maybe there's been a death in your family or someone that's been close to you, and you're trying to walk through and figure out you know, how, how can I get through this and still believe that God is good? How are we to live this life that Jesus calls us to live. Well, we're in the book of Galatians right now. We're doing a four-week series. This is the last week in the book of Galatians. And Paul's going to talk about this very question. And what we've seen so far in this book is that Paul is writing to a group of people that are getting misled by, by uh, some outsiders that have come in and told them that they've got to do a bunch of stuff to make it as believers, to make it on Judgment Day that God will say, yeah, you're pardoned, welcome to the family, right? And he's telling them what we've seen is that what God really wants from people is a relationship. And that's why it's called the good news. He's not looking for us to to check a bunch of boxes or do a bunch of things and hope that one day we make it or we've done enough good. And that's the other side of the good news. It's that we don't earn anything with God when it comes to being a part of His family and receiving His favor. And so Paul said, hey, the way we enter into that is through faith. It's simply through a yes to Jesus and saying, God, I trust you to rescue me. And the simplest way you could ever do it would just be help Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And that's all it takes. It's, it's, a, it's just a stance, a humble position in receiving from the Lord what Jesus has done for us. Bringing us to the Father. And then we saw last week, we, talked, we started to talk about, as, as Alan Vance preached, about freedom, that we're not to go... Jesus, it's for freedom that he set us free. It's a relationship of, free, of freedom, not coercion or manipulation. God doesn't work that way. And so he's saying, don't turn back to following rules. If you've begun in this way, if you've begun a relationship with God through faith, continue that way. We're not continuing by now. Okay, now that you're a believer, here's a Bible and read it for 20 minutes every day and you'll be good to go, right? 
It doesn't work that way, although that's not a bad thing. We're not saying, not saying that's bad. I'm saying it's through faith that we also continue. It's a relationship of freedom. So today we're going to look at this last section of the book of Galatians and ask this question, how in the world are we supposed to live this Christian life? And here's what we're going to find. To love like God, you must be led by God. To live like Jesus, you have to be led by Jesus. So let's start by looking at Galatians chapter 5. We picked off, uh, we picked, sorry, we, we ended up uh, kind of at the end of, uh, middle through chapter 5. So we're going to pick up in verse 13. This is Galatians 5, verse 13. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this in about five different paragraphs. I'm going to give you a quick kind of uh, overview of what Paul's saying. We won't hit all the details because it's a pretty large section. And then um, we'll kind of give you what it, what it means for us in each of these sections. All right, so this is chapter 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For as the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Paul's main point in this first section is he's moving now to say, what does it look like now to live? You've entered this relationship by faith. You're continuing it by faith. What does it now look like to follow Jesus? And he says that you have been set free so that you can love one another. It's that simple. Right? He says Jesus has set you free so you can live the way that you were meant to live. It's not freedom to do whatever you want. It's freedom to be the person you were created to be. It's freedom to live the way that people were made to live on this earth. So Jesus has set them free from the the law of following these regulations that the Israelites had to follow. He set them free from sin and even from death and the power of darkness, the power of the devil. All of those things they have been set free from. And so now all of that is to give them the power to do what's right. It's the power to live the way that people are supposed to live. And God gives us that by when we put our faith in Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit to have that power. And what this looks like is it looks like a relationship of love between people. The interesting wordplay that Paul does here is he says, he says, you're called to be free. And then he says, don't use it to indulge, just kind of doing whatever you want to do, you know, kind of naturally, but rather be a slave towards one another humbly in love. That word there is really can be translated. It's kind of difficult to translate because slavery back then was a little different than it is today. So sometimes it's servant and sometimes it's slave in the English Bible. But there's a strong sense of slavery there. He's saying you're called to be free, so now you're actually a slave to love. So you're free now to do what you're created to do, which is be a slave of love to the people around you. We're free to be slaves. And loving each other is actually, he says, it's fulfilling the law, meaning that that was the real intent of the law. 
But the Israelites weren't obeying, so God had to keep kind of hedging them in and saying, okay, well, now this is what it looks like to love somebody else. And now you got to do this, and you got to do this, because you're not doing it, and we've got to hedge you in to try to help you understand how to do it. Now we have the Holy Spirit that enables us to commune with God and love one another. Jesus summed up the law in the same way. This is not something new that Paul's pulling out of his hat, right? All the law and the prophets can be summed up, right, by loving God and loving your neighbor, okay? And Paul says simply, hey, if you're you're not loving each other, it's not like you're neutral. You're you're actually going to be turning on another. If you're not loving one another, if it's not a relationship of love, that's not now what your new life is leading you into. You're going to actually turn on one another. You see that in the church, right? Sometimes, and I'm not going to use other churches as an example because I'm sure we've been there, right? And I've been there personally. You get a little bitter or you kind of talk about someone behind their back, or right? If you're not focused on the love, right, it's easy for things to start turning inward. We were at a friend's house uh, the other day with the boys, just visiting some friends uh, that were neighbors, and uh, they have a cage of parakeets. And while we were there, one of them, they had opened the cage, and sometimes they just kind of let the birds uh, hang out in the house. And one of them was just flying all around this house, and it wouldn't go back in the cage. You know, it just wouldn't go. But the other ones, just they kind of flew around for a little while, but then they go back to the cage. I was thinking about this. To me, it's an illustration of what happens when we become followers of Jesus. We're set free. The cage doors open. We don't have to be in the cage anymore. But oftentimes, we choose to go back in there. This one bird, it was the blue bird. They have a blue, a white, a green, and I think a yellow. Parakeets are multicolored, technicolored parakeets. Uh, he just wouldn't go back in. They're trying to get him, you know, kind of corral him because he's, you know, he's got to sleep in there. They want him flying all over the place all the time. He wouldn't go back in. That is what the Lord is telling us it means to follow Jesus. Jesus Paul's saying, you're called to be free. In the last section of this chapter, don't go back to a yoke of slavery. And now he's saying, don't use your freedom, although you could. You could use your freedom to indulge the flesh. You could make that choice. He's saying, don't do that because it's not who you are made to. It's not what you are made to do. You're made for love. That's what you're created to do. Just as a bird is created to fly. The movie Shawshank Redemption. If you've seen it, uh, it's about a guy that is wrongly accused and goes to jail, and then this his journey just, you know, I think it's like in the, maybe the 40s or something, uh, his journey in kind of this, this jail. And one of the striking things about the movie is there's two older men that he befriends, and one of them is, is put out on parole, and he can't handle being free because he's been in jail his whole life. He, he just doesn't know how to function. Another man gets set free and struggles with the same issue. He starts working in a grocery store and says, I I cannot use the bathroom unless I ask. Because he's been using the bathroom, having to ask to go to the bathroom for his entire adult life. And this is what the journey is for us. You know, when we we come into Jesus, right, when we put our faith in him, it's a journey of of learning that we are free. of, of, Of reorienting our mind to realize what we now can do and what we actually do have the power to do because God's put His Spirit in us. So all of this is to say, if you put your faith in Jesus, 
you have the power to love. And you have, a, you have the power to not sin in any circumstance. That is the promise of God. You have the power because, right, you walk with God. And that's where Paul picks it up in verse 16. So he says, so I say, in light of the fact that we're to love one another, that's what this should look like. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Amazing statement there. If you walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Nobody makes a law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So the way to a life of love is to walk with God. Right? You can't love like Jesus, unless you're led by Jesus. That's the only way. Four times in this section, it says, it's one word in the Greek, but, it, but it, it can be translated as with the Spirit or by the Spirit. You're led by the Spirit. You keep in step with the Spirit. You walk with the Spirit, right? Over and over again, he's emphasizing surprise of relationship with a person. What we've been talking about this whole book, he's emphasizing the way that, that we've begun is because God wanted a relationship. And then the way that we continue is how do we actually live this life? It's by keeping in step with the Spirit. It's by walking with God. right? It's by being led by the voice of Jesus. It's all about a relationship with God. right? And that is the way to live a life of love. It's to be led by Jesus. And it is actually the only way that you'll ever be able to love the way that Jesus loved to love your enemies, and to bless those that curse you. To have the amount of love that it would take to lay your life down for your friend. As Jesus had, the only way is to be led by him. Right? So this passage is talking about this tension between what's inside of us, you know, kind of our natural inclinations to do wrong things, our selfishness. It's in conflict with the spirit that is now in us. They're, they're fighting against each other, you know, and, and both trying to get us to do you know, the Spirit's trying to get us to do what we would really want to do in our true self, and the flesh is trying to get us to do kind of the, what we often want to do, but we know we should. Right? And he just says, hey, the, you know, evil is, is for the most part, although, you know, culturally, you know, in every different culture, that sometimes, you know, things that are not right are not necessarily thought of as evil. But he's saying, generally speaking, we know what's right and wrong. And so walking with the Spirit, the Spirit is producing in us it, it, His fruit. It's a person. And it looks like love and joy and peace and patience and all these things that we really want to be like. It's the Spirit that is producing this in us as 
we respond to his leading in our life. So you can be a Christian for a long time. It's not you are guaranteed to grow if you are a Christian. Right? It's not just a matter of, it's not just a matter of time. Like if, if enough time expires, I'll become more like Jesus. No. We have a part to play in cooperating with what God is leading us to do. And every person's journey is unique. Isn't that amazing? Right? Your stories about how people are set free from sexual addiction. And you know what? Most of the time they're different. I had a friend. He was meeting with a pastor, struggling with pornography for a long time. And he got, the, he got the one that everyone wants. He got zapped. His pastor was just praying for him, and he just felt electricity through his body, and it was like, that was it. He never looked back, right? And for other people, it's a long journey of renewing their mind and retraining the way that they're thinking and different triggers in their life and bringing in accountability. And, and he had done a lot of that work before. So I'm not saying he just, you know, all of a sudden showed up one day. But, you know, I'm, the point is, it's a different journey for everyone. But guess what? There's a person that wants to lead you down the journey that's best for you and the way that God wants to work it out for you. And whatever the thing is that you're struggling with, whether it's even just you know, doubting God's goodness to an interpersonal connection in your family or an addiction to something, it's Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus that will set you free. It's not a book, although that could be helpful. It's not, it's not some idea. It's a person. It's walking with a person that is going to enable you to love like Jesus loved and to live a life that is free. Because everything flows through relationship with God. It's all relational. And so the check for you is always, every day, is always, am I connecting with God? That's the check. Because what's He going to lead you to do? The things that He's commanded you to do to love God and to love other people, but it's all flowing through you relating and learning to walk with God. Now, the, the, the good thing and the bummer is that I can't just give you a magic pill because you have to walk it out with God, right? I can't say, hey, hey, meet my wife. Now you're best friends. Wow. All right. You're best friends now. Great. My wife, you, you, you and her, you're best friends now. Awesome. That doesn't really work, does it, right? You have to walk in a relationship with God so that you get to know each other more. All right, when a person gets married, okay, you, 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 know, you say the vows, you, you exchange the rings, you know, um, you're, you're married, right? You, you sign the document, hopefully if the pastor doesn't, you know, mess it up and write in blue, blue ink and they send it back, you know. Heard a story recently, don't do that. Okay, I said, I will take note of that. You know, rookie pastor, right? You're married. You're one. You are now one flesh, right? You consummate the relationship, okay? Everyone looks at you as now they're married, they're one. But guess what? Now the, the fun begins of really getting to know each other and growing in a relationship, right? So there's this tension of like, you can't get any closer than you already are. You're already one flesh. You're united, right? But you, but you can. You can grow in understanding one another and relating to one another and learning how to care and, and how the person communicates to you. It's the same with God. When we put our faith in Jesus, man, you are united to him for the rest of eternity. You have been brought into the most amazing, wonderful community of love Ever. And I'm talking about the Trinity. 
Jesus says, right, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. There's no grade B love with God. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. It says that, you realize that? You are loved. God doesn't love anyone more than you, even Jesus. That's right from the Bible. You've been welcomed into that, and it will never change. But now our life is to grow and to realize that. And to grow in how we are relating to God. We've been married in, in, in a way to Jesus. We've been united with Him. He is in us, and we are in Him in this mystical union. Right? That the, that the, the words of English you just try to describe. But now we are walking that out in a relationship to learn more about God and what it's like to live in freedom with Him. God wants you to do life with Him not for him. He's not looking for servants. He's not. No longer do I call you servants, but friends, because the friends know what their friend is talking about, right? They know what they're talking about. And that's what God wants to bring you in, right, on what he's saying. But we do have a part to play. We have to respond, right? We have to be led by the Spirit, just meaning Simply just talk to God as much as you can, as, as often as possible, asking him questions, wondering what's on his heart. In a certain situation, what do I do, right? Use John Wimber's favorite prayer. I'll let you in on this one, right? Really complicated. See if you can get it down. Help, right? Because it's a cry for help from a relationship of faith that there's someone there that is relating to you that is going to help you. Right? That's the journey. All right, chapter six. Paul's going to elucidate a little bit more about, I can't believe I just used that word. I'm probably not smart enough to use that word. (laughs) More about what this looks like. Chapter six. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you live by the Spirit. Again, fifth time, should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill, again, he's saying, fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things with their instructor. So pay your pastors, help Alex. Okay? All right. So, Loving others involves showing grace, caring for each other's needs, and a huge amount of humility. So Paul's saying here, this is what it looks like. He, he said, okay, this is, this is the big thing, loving each other. This is how you do it. You keep in step with the Spirit, meaning you talk to God. You walk with Him. You're doing life with God, right? And now he's saying, okay, this is what it looks like even more. He's just kind of coming back kind of full circle. It looks like you're giving each other grace. You're knowing that People around you are going to screw things up. And then you're helping them move to a place of wholeness and healing, right? As to whatever degree of relationship you have with them, okay? And this is one of the things that I love about our church because we're, at the harbor, we get real. We are all about building a confessional culture here, which is why we're still promoting this peer discipleship thing. We want you to get with somebody else and confess your sin to them and then receive love because that's what God is always pouring out to us. Right? We're extending grace. We're always extending that to other people. And we're walking with them, not judging or condemning. And loving others means helping people. You know, 
carry their burdens, financial, emotional, physical. And this church, I am so proud of this church because we have done that well in so many ways. We put someone up here that has a, a need for something, this church has responded, you know, in a financial way. In many ways, emotional, physical, helping people move. You know, even myself has benefited from many of you that have helped us do that. And I know many others as well. And the last thing Paul mentioned, just, you know, living, living humbly, knowing that we're all capable of falling in many ways. We're all capable of being tempted. And this gets back to the introduction of, you know, Paul, even in this thing, talks about not comparing yourself to anyone else. So there's two sides to that. One is we don't compare. We don't look at Tracy Evans and say, man, I stink. You know, I haven't smuggled Bibles or, you know, worked on a dump with, you know, these people for three years and so on because of suffering or, you know, planted churches and all these remote regions in Africa and help orphans. And I mean, you know, it's easy to get caught up in that. But Paul's saying right here, don't compare, right? You're on your own journey and you're loved by God. And he doesn't love Tracy Evans any more than he loves you. And he just wants to, he just wants you to take the next step that he's leading you to take. That's what you're responsible for. Right? So it's not comparison, but each one needs to carry their own load. Who's responsible for your spiritual growth? The pastor. No. Sorry, right? It's not my responsibility. Now, I have a responsibility to do what God is calling me to do and to lead this church. But ultimately, it's always up to us, right, as individuals, right? We make the choices of our lives to respond to what the Spirit is saying to us or not. Now, he's just talked about how we're to help each other out. So I'm not saying you're on your own, you know, good luck, suckers. You know, like, I'm doing my thing, you do your thing. No, we are called to carry one another's burdens. That is strong language. But he's also saying, ultimately, that's not just to put the burden on somebody else. It's to say, carry it along with them, right? That they are ultimately responsible. So there's this two thing. Don't compare, but know that you're responsible. And the beauty of that is that God never expects something that you can't do because you have the Holy Spirit. You have the God of the universe inside of you to give you the power to always say yes to God. He's there. He's always right there. Every command in the New Testament, you know what it really is? It's really disguised as? It's really a promise. It is a promise that you now can do that. Love your enemies. Wow, that's hard. That's really a promise. You can love your enemies. You can do that because the Holy Spirit is in you. It's an encouragement. The first message that I heard preached uh, by Neil at the harbor uh, was what hooked me. That and Jim Miriam laying his hand on my back and praying some weird things for me that I don't know how he knew. It's like he had the God of the universe inside of him or something. My first Sunday here, Neil preached a sermon, and he, and, he, and he was up in the YMCA when we first met, and just vulnerability. I mean, he was, he was talking about some of the different struggles that he had gone through in his life, and I was like, wow, I've never heard that from the pulpit, or at least not in, since I can remember. And that's who we're called to be as a people, right? Transparent, vulnerable, honest with another, so that we're confessing our sins, we're humbly serving. That's what it looks like. Paul's describing this so that we know when we are being led by the Spirit, it's going to look like this. It's going to look like a community of people that are really pulling together, pulling for each other, and that are not comparing, and that are also being responsible for themselves. All right, verse 7. 
Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we, if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Paul's saying here, there's, just, there's an eternal consequence for what we're choosing to do. And ultimately, it lands in two directions. He's saying, hey, if, if you're choosing to follow whatever it is that you want to do in your life, that ends in destruction. But he's saying, if you choose to be led by the Spirit, God is leading you right to life eternal and also to a harvest and an inheritance. Right? Meaning in your own life, just goodness flowing out of you and then also affecting the people around you in these relationships of love that he's calling you to. Right? He's just saying, whatever you sow, you reap. You, you put corn seed in the ground, you grow corn. You put wheat in the ground, you grow wheat. Zucchini, you get some zucchini. Right? What you sow to is what you will, you will later get. And so, He's not, he's, not, he's not contrasting the fact that we enter this relationship or stay in this relationship by faith. He's saying what this generally looks like. When you put your faith in Jesus, you're now, you're sowing to the Spirit. You're following Jesus. You're led by the Spirit. Those things go hand in hand. This is too big of a topic to talk about in terms of, you know, can I lose my salvation or whatever. Hey, do you believe that Jesus can save? You're going to meet Him in heaven. Great. That's all you have to answer, right? Does Jesus save? Is He your Savior? Are you calling out for Him for help? then yes, He is your Savior. It's that simple, right? But Paul's just saying, don't go this other direction. He's warning these people not to do that and not to give up because there is a reward. What we do has eternal consequence. Um, let's go to verse 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. In other words, guys, please work this out. I'm getting old. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. So Paul's just giving a summary here of the book. He's just saying, hey, listen, again, this is what we talked about. Don't follow these guys. They're, they're wanting you to do this, and he's exposing their motives. He's just saying, they're just wanting you to follow these rules so that they don't get persecuted by the Jewish people. Because they can say, look, we're making them good Jews. You know, they're kind of believing in Jesus, this Messiah guy, but hey, look, they're following all your Jewish laws. Paul's saying, look, follow me. Look at my body. Like, he's like lifting up his shirt. I have been persecuted for Jesus. I hold the scars on my body. I'm not doing this for some weird, you know, selfish gain of my own, right? He's contrasting their motivations with his. And he's just saying, hey, again, guys, this is what it's about, right? It's about Jesus and what he's done and the new creation. Not just, that's not just talking about individuals, actually. It's talking about this whole community of faith and the whole world being renewed, Right? And so it's not even just about us. It's about God is calling us into a relationship to renew this world. Right? Now, this is just so cliche, but a butterfly, right? That's what we're talking about. He's, he's using this illustration 
right, of a new creation. And the best animal, of course, is the butterfly or insect, I guess, not an animal. Right? It's you've been made something new. And God is making something new in this world. Don't go back to that life of slavery. The way to live a life of love is to be led by Jesus. If you don't, if you are not led by Jesus, you will never love the way that Jesus loves. But the simple thing is, all you need to do is just respond to what God is telling you to do next, and you will be able to do what Jesus did. That's the truth, because the same Spirit that was on Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is in you if you've put your trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Lord, that, that in, when it all boils down, this is really simple. God, we, we, we just need to do the next thing that you're telling us to do, to keep in step with the Spirit, to try to listen to what you're saying to us, to learn about how you, how you operate in your Word and what you're like and your character, and just you just want relationship from us. So I just thank you, Lord. Lord, let us be a church of love that comes from the fact that we're led by your Spirit who is inside of us. Let us pray, Lord. Let us be a people that respond to that. In Jesus' name, amen.